Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Now, it was a busy political weekend, lots of counting, lots of debating, lots of discussing. I want to speak to uh, John Tong, who's a professor of politics, of course, across uh, in Liverpool, and who knows what happens here, because I think he called the exact outcome of part of this uh, election. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning. Uh, John, there'd be a feel-good factor, obviously, still uh, rippling through the Alliance Party, uh, the Greens uh, as well. Um, Others will be maybe breathing a sigh of relief and some will be concerned. Looking back on the weekend, how how do you view it? Well, the big story was the growth of Alliance, which not even party officials saw. I mean, David Ford uh, gave his forecast and as the director of uh, elections for Alliance, and even he didn't see... Uh, the size of the alliance surge coming to go to uh, uh, to get a seat performance in your 50s to come from a mere, uh, I think it was 32 seats uh, from the last local election was quite something. Uh, you know, the alliance has put on 5% of the vote, and I don't think it's a case of alliance taking voters from the other parties. The party votes tended to hold up. The, the promising news for alliance, I think, is that they have probably managed to get new voters out to vote for them, those who don't identify as unionist or nationalist. Alliance breakthroughs have been, have been promised so often in the past and they've never materialised. Now, I don't want to rain on, the, on uh, Alliance's parade, this bank holding Monday morning, but it is worth just one contextual note is that the first time Alliance fought a local government election was nearly half a century ago uh, when they got uh, 13% of the vote. They are, even with the stunning performance last Thursday, they're still below that. So nearly half a century on, you could argue Alliance is only back to where they started from uh, at best. But nonetheless, you know, it shows that Naomi Long is a popular leader. Uh, it shows that they are making gains. Uh, I think that they, uh, there's a risk, though, of overlooking the, the other big story, which is, frankly, the DUP doing very well again. The DUP that you know, are never an uncontroversial party, but they've, they've won another election. Yeah, absolutely. But they did lose eight eight seats, Uh, Sinn Féin there remain on change. UUP lost 13 councillors, SDLP went down seven. The TUV dropped from uh, 13 seats to six. The Green doubled their seats four to eight. People before profit went from one to five. That's just a reminder for people who may not have been passing any remarks on it over the the weekend. But um, the DUP and Sinn Féin can, can still, you know, stand with their, their shoulders pretty broad. Yeah, they're still co- comfortably uh, the big two and they look unchallengeable uh, as the big two. 
I mean, this was a promising election potentially for the Ulster Unionist Party to finally lay a glove on the DUP. It was a local election. There hadn't been a standalone local election for more than two decades. Uh, it wasn't a question of, of you know, allowing a Sinn Féin first minister to be elected, so the DUP couldn't really whip up the Unionist vote saying, vote, vote for us, otherwise you risk that. Um, yes, it would have helped perhaps the UUP of the RHR report that had come out before the election, but other than that, this was a big chance for the Ulster Unionist Party, and yet their vote share declined by 2% and uh, they lost 13 seats. That shouldn't have been the case. I'd have expected them to have put on perhaps a dozen seats and certainly increased their vote share. It wasn't a case of the UUP vote dropping, that should be said, you know, in defence of the party's performance. Um, turnout was up, and the UUP's vote held up. But in terms of percentage share, it dipped. And that's a problem, because if the... If the Ulster Unionist Party can't lay a glove on the DUP at a local election, when is it going to make inroads into the DUP's dominance of the Unionist community? Uh, all eyes will now, for the Ulster Unionist Party, head towards the European Parliament election at the end of the month because it's absolutely vital for the UUP that it retains that third seat uh, in Northern Ireland. In, in terms of the, the Sinn Féin-SDLP contest, I, think, I thought it was another weak performance by the SDLP. I know that some of it's members are understandably talking up the improved performance relative to the general election, but the real comparison is with the last local election, and the SDLP lost more seats, um, uh, lost seats again compared to 2014, and this is a record low now in terms of number of seats for the SDLP. It wasn't a fantastic performance by Sinn Féin, um, it was a treading water election really, coming out with exactly the same number of seats, but I think what, what Sinn Féin will look at is its performance relative to the SDLP, and there's no sign of an SDLP revival to challenge Sinn Féin's domination of the nationalist community. So, you know, it, it's pretty much as you were, I think, in terms of the big two. Is it inevitable that we're going to have a European election? I think so. I, I'd be amazed uh, if Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn uh, can do a deal to pass something akin to the withdrawal agreement, and remember you can't, uh, you know, the withdrawal agreement is still the only show in town as far as the European Union is concerned, but I'd be surprised if they get agreement on a customs union uh, between now and the European Parliament elections, and they are very, very likely to be a, uh, a, a Eurosceptic fest. I'd expect probably the Brexit party to come out top on that. One thing about the local elections in Northern Ireland, uh, UKIP didn't make any impact uh, whatsoever, which, which I think was quite predictable. I think there's a couple of other things to take out from the local election that are interesting. You mentioned the Greens, and I think they, their performance was, was impressive. And again, the type of Green voter that you'll have is probably a younger voter, potentially a person who's not voted any previous elections in Northern Ireland. So, you know, it was a good election for the, the so-called centre ground, if you look at the Alliance performance uh, and the Green performance. And I think the other takeaway is the, the public row within the DUP over the good, what was a good performance by its uh, first openly gay candidate, uh, Alison Bennington, who, who did very well. Um, and Arlene Foster quite uh, clear that um, she will consider the, the, the public criticism of that candidature that came from Jim Wells. So again, you know, signs of change within, within the DUP, not change on its policy on same-sex marriage, but change in terms of, you know, how the party does treat those issues. So in some ways, it was, it was a more significant election and, and, uh, uh, than, than um, we might have imagined. 
notwithstanding the fact that ultimately, you know, the big two remain the big two. How much of a voice in the wilderness did Jim Wells sound whenever he was going on about the negativity towards the first openly gay DUP candidate? Well, he did sound like yesterday's man. I mean, the DUP has been on a long journey from being a a free Presbyterian sect towards being a, a modern political party. And I think what was interesting was that whilst Jim Wells is always true to his, his principles and was, was very public in his condemnation uh, of that candidature. But the way that, um, first of all, uh, Tim Cairns, the DUP's former uh, policy advisor, uh, special advisor, uh, head of policy, went on TV and, and called for his removal was, was quite jaw-dropping. Uh, and then Arlene Foster said that you know, the, the issue um, would be dealt with. I don't think it's a case of necessarily throwing Jim Wells out of the party, but I do think it shows the marginalisation because let's be clear about Alison Bennington's candidature. The DUP is really top-down in terms of how it selects its candidates. This is not a case of local parties having a huge amount of autonomy over who they choose. Yes, there is some local autonomy, but to be a DUP candidate... You have to present your CV, you're interviewed by party officers, you go through a certain process. So the DUP at the top would have been fully aware of the issue, insofar it's not an issue really, but you know what I mean, uh, of Alison Bennington's sexuality and were quite happy for her to be a DUP candidate. So that shows the direction of travel within, within the DUP. Um, and I think, you know, in that sense, it's significant. And Jim Wells represents the an old guard of the DUP, which has not disappeared, but is increasingly uh, is, is a increasingly small percentage of the DUP these days. Um, like I said, not disappeared completely, but but diminishing in quantity within the party. Uh, and finally, John, you already mentioned the European elections. They are coming galloping towards you. You're presuming that it will go ahead as far as uh, this part of the world is, is concerned. Do you think people will get excited about it? Would you expect a significant turnout there? Do you, do you see um, it being chatted about on the, on the bus or the water cooler? <laughs> Excitement might be too strong a word. Um, and there will certainly be some resentment amongst voters as to why we're participating in elections to an institution from which we are withdrawing. Um, in terms of the outcome, that's where it gets interesting, uh, if, if not exciting. The, the, the DUP and Sinn Féin can be confidently expected to, to fill the first two seats. But beyond that, it, it, is, it is close, potentially. That might sound odd, because last time the UUP and the SDLP uh, were 40,000 votes ahead of Alliance uh, in terms of first preference votes. Alliance's performance last Thursday does bring them potentially into the, into the equation and then there's the issue of where transfers will, will go. So whilst the UUP might start just about favourites to, to hold their seat, um, remember that Jim Nicholson has stepped down, so you've got Danny Kennedy, although Danny Kennedy's got quite high visibility, I think, across Northern Ireland, so that should be okay for the UUP. But they only just finished ahead of the SDLP last time in terms of first preference votes. Uh, Alliance may take, vote, vote, may take votes in this contest from both the UUP and SDLP. So, you know, I think it's a tight three-way contest potentially for that final seat. That's what makes it interesting, uh, notwithstanding resentments as to why this contest is taking place. So, and it's absolutely crucial for the morale of both the UUP and the SDLP that they perform well in this. If the UUP were to lose a the seat, then they've had a bad to mediocre 
local election result. They lost their representation at Westminster in 2017. Uh, and to lose a European Parliament seat as well would be a real, real blow for the party. So they'll be desperate to avoid that. Okay, uh, John Tong, thank you very much indeed for your time this morning referring to the European elections. There are a number of candidates who've already put their hat in the ring. Diane Dodds from the DUP, Martina Anderson from Sinn Féin, Danny Kennedy, the Ulster Unionist Party, Colm Eastwood from the SDLP, Naomi Long for the Alliance Party, Jim Allister for the TUV, Claire Bailey for the Green Party, Robert Hill for UKIP, Amdeem Singh Bohal for the Conservatives, and there are two independent candidates, Jane Morris and Neil McCann. It's coming up on 19 minutes past... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Nine.